Man, did you come with the good questions this week on Ask SCPB? We answer them next on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. We'll start with Tony Ace. And this is a tough one. Who has the brighter future in your opinion? AEW or WWE? I wish I could say both. I think they're both doing good things. I think that it depends how you want to look at it from a business perspective. WWE is set up in a position where I think they're going to continue to be successful, whether they have top legitimate draws or not. Um, and I think we saw that these these past couple of years where they've had record revenues, record profits, pro- profits and all that type of stuff. Um, AEW continues to uh, produce a product that the hardcore fans are going to gravitate towards. Um, AEW definitely has a got a lot of good young talent, but you know what? For what it's worth, WWE has some talent there too. Um, you can look at somebody when we just did our predictions on Money in the Bank, uh, a guy like Riddle. You know, yes, there are people hurt. Yes, there are people that are uh, champions that aren't defending like right now Roman Reigns isn't necessarily defending the title. Um, and uh, Randy Orton being his sidekick and being out, it's given the opportunity for Riddle to kind of show that, yeah, you know what? I can be maybe a top guy. I don't maybe be a champion at some point. I don't know. But uh, somebody like him, I think that Cody coming in has uh, put new life into Raw, even though, unfortunately, he did get hurt. Um, you know, so I think that there's room for both of these companies to be successful. And I think they're both set up in a really good position uh, for the future. I agree. I think both of them also are in a position where their rosters were a little too big. They needed to make a change in their product a little bit. They're pivoting it in some ways. And I think they're benefiting one by addition, by subtraction, getting rid of some guys that they might not be able to utilize properly. Let them go somewhere else where they could be more successful and, you know, do what they do best. Like AEW, for example, they just got, when they first started, they got anyone who was available. Obviously they're not going to get everyone that's in WWE. So you have guys that, they let their contracts expire. But at the same time, you're getting CM Punk. You're getting Brian Danielson. You're getting Claudio Castagnoli, you know, and their, their in-ring talent is getting better and better and better. Some might say, oh, it's all former WWE guys, but they're the ones with national TV and international TV exposure and have done this at a large scale. Why would you not want them? That's just dumb to make that argument, you know? So... While WWE, you know, they realized that NXT, that independent, you know, promotion, when they make it to WWE, that that transition wasn't happening. So you let some of those guys, you know, it was a tough decision, but Adam Cole, you could walk. Kyle O'Reilly, you could walk. Bobby Fish, goodbye, you know? And in the meantime, they're building up Braun Breaker. They're building up uh, Carmelo Hayes, Cameron Grimes. And that's the future for WWE. While also... With the hiatus of Roman, we've seen the rise of Gunther. We've seen the rise of Riddle. We've seen Seth Rollins kind of take over Raw. We've seen, you know, uh, Drew McIntyre take over SmackDown. Sheamus has been there. So, like, there's definitely blocks in place where that upper mid card can take the main event level. That, you know, the last time Roman was gone on a hiatus, they threw two guys in there and maybe they weren't ready for that. And, those guys are gone now. I was going to say for the first time in a long time, WWE is giving you uh, something outside the heavyweight title picture to get invested in. When you look mm-hmm. at like somebody like Kevin Owens, what he's doing with uh, Ezekiel, that whole storyline, mm-hmm. um, 
that I you know I I literally tune into Raw every week, even if it's just to see to see that to see what happens to see how that story progresses. Something like Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, I think, was an afterthought forever. And while he's not winning heavyweight championships, I think they're using him perfectly for what his character is. You already mm-hmm. talked about Gunther um, p- pairing him with uh, Kaiser over there. He, they, they're great together. They were great in NXT, but I think him being the mouthpiece. Um, so as much crap as WWE gets, it's not like they're doing everything wrong. They are managing to get some storylines in the right direction and some people to get invested in. AEW, as we pointed out, they've they've definitely got their, their hardcore fan base and they're giving them everything they want. So I think both are really positioned to have a, a, a good success in the future. Yeah, they really are. And if you're a pro AEW or a pro WWE and find like the other promotion can't do any wrong, like just stop because both of them are doing things that are right. And there's, you know, definitely points to improve on both sides. But I, I think both have had at least something worth watching on a weekly basis. So, but we'll stick with a WWE and AEW comparison here. Shay Aganubi with the next question. Do you think there will ever come a time where WWE and AEW have a pay-per-view together? No, <laughs> never, no, never, ever. I mean, never say never, but that's like the Yankees and the Red Sox merging teams. That's like the Cowboys and the Giants, you know, merging teams. That's McDonald's and Wendy's merging teams. It's one thing with AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling because they're in different sides of the world. They have different markets, but have a little bit of a crossover fan base. You know, WWE, I mean, in Vince's lifetime, it's definitely never going to happen. Triple H running the show? maybe a 10% chance, but even then it's like, no, no. I I don't see. I think the video packages giving uh, kudos to John Cena in 20 years is as close as we're ever going to get to a crossover promotion between WWE and AEW. WWE has been known to work with, you know, smaller promotions um, to a certain extent, like Mickey James coming over from impact being in the women's Royal rumble back in the day growing up, they used to work with uh, ECW um, and they worked with New Japan too, right? So. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't—they're not going to go out of their way to be like, "Hey, here's here's some of their best guys who think they're just as good as our top guys, and uh, we're going to have them lose." Like, it's just never going to happen. You're never you're right. never going to see a John Moxley come over from AEW, be positioned, uh, put be put in a position to be a guy like a Seth Rollins as long as right. he's under contract with WWE. Right, and of course, you know. Who's who's gonna be the book in the show when you have Vince McMahon and Tony Khan trying to you know make an agreement there? Good luck with that, you know. But next question comes from Flying Low. What old WWF pay per view name would you bring back and push as a top four event for either WWE or AEW? Mm. You know what? You know what show was ahead of its time that I think AEW would be perfect for. Cyber Sunday. I was literally just going to, that would, that was the one I was going to say I'd bring back, especially yeah. now in an age where social media is much more advanced than it once was. Right. Or if you do like taboo Tuesday, if you could get Twitter to, to sponsor the show and do Twitter Tuesday and just have Twitter decide all the matches, yeah. AEW would run with that. And they make a lot of money because Twitter's got the money, especially if Elon Musk ends up you know, buying it out and it goes through and everything. But yeah, the other thing, 
I wish they did King of the Ring. I was actually one. watching old King of the Rings the last couple of days, and it's just like it's there. And I know they have money in the bank now as like that, you know, new place where uh King of the Ring was, but if you have it where the winner of King of the Ring gets the title shot at SummerSlam, like Lesnar did, that would be a great way to like build out the summer. But that that's not a thing anymore, unfortunately. But King well, of the Ring perhaps- or, or Perhaps if they did want to work with uh, AEW, they could do WWE Presents One Night Stand again. Maybe. That's another one, too. We'll see. But I, I don't see that happening anyway. But next one comes from David Scott. Should AEW run limited house shows on a Friday or Saturday night? Working, you know, people work during the week. It's tough to get to those shows on Wednesday. And that's really the only time you could see AEW unless there's a pay-per-view over the weekend. But they have them at big sh- you know, cities like Chicago, Minneapolis, Orlando cost money to travel there. So do you think it's worth doing the house shows? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think house shows are as prominent as they once were. Um, I think a lot of the guys in AEW, well, maybe not a lot, but there are guys that go and do work shows outside of AEW when they're not wrestling on dynamite or any of the other shows for that matter. So um, I don't think so. I, I like yeah. the way it is now. I don't I don't know many people that even some of my people that I know that are hardcore wrestling fans, like they'll go to indie shows here or there, but I don't think people would go out of their way to see a house show, so to speak. Right. No, I agree with you. I think also AEW's business model, I, I think they pay their guys per show. I'm not 100% on that, but I think most of the guys are paid per show. So if you're making them do a house show, are you paying them at the same rate as what they were supposed to get? Now you're adding dates to their contract that they weren't agreed upon. So, you know, there's a, there's a legal aspect to it. And if you're having these guys work independent shows anyway, that's basically your house show for AEW. It's just that Tony Khan's not booking it. So it it saves Tony Khan money in the end. But next question comes from mechs for life. What questions would you ask Tony Khan if you were invited to one of the media scrums? How come your rankings suck? <laughs> Actually, just an explanation on how the rankings work would be one of my questions. What You're pondering this. Um, the rankings, certainly, I, w- I would want to know what goes into that, how they get decided and all those types of things. Probably ask him something about MJF. Yep. And if people I, give have. us an update. Yeah, give us an I mean, they have asked and he won't comment on it, but eventually I someone's going to crack him. I, w- I would definitely try to ask questions about the financials too, just because I I'm, I have an interest in that type of stuff. You know, all the all, you know, people kind of take the CM Punk thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Biggest, uh, Eric Bischoff, biggest financial big, flop. Big fi- financial flop. Okay. Well, what do the finances look like? What type of revenue are you doing? Like, you know, people talk about AEW really truly competing with WWE, but that's the thing. Okay. They signed a bunch of people. Everybody would assume they're in a good financial position, but did they sign too many people? Like how much profit mm-hmm. are you making? How much cash? Right. Like what's the, right. what does that look like? No, I agree. I think that would be interesting, but because it's a private entity unlike wwe tony khan doesn't necessarily have to answer that question but it'd be interesting it'd be interesting to see if he does answer that and 
other than the rankings, that might be the only one that I would uh, ask there. But I would next ask one. him one more question. Go ahead. Is there anybody he made an offer to that turned that turned him down that he really wanted to get under contract? I know that that's uh, a good Kurt question. Angle came out and said, "Hey, you know, they offered me some good money. They wanted me to do a match or a couple of matches, but he had to turn it down because he said he couldn't work." I want to know, like. What was what offers were made? Did you make an offer to Bret Hart? Did you make an offer to Kurt Angle? We know according to Kurt Angle, yes. Like, and according to Edge, I believe Edge said yes too. Uh, there was rumors going around Brock Lesnar was a free agent for a while. Did they ever sit down and talk with him? Stuff like that. So I, mm-hmm. I'd be interested to to hear yeah. those types of things. Yeah. Anyway, let's go to the next question from Navid Mohibi, and if I mispronounce that, I apologize, but. Who should be the first two-time AEW women's champion? Ah, this is easy for me. I'm going to say Britt Baker, but I would agree. It's got I would say Britt, maybe Hikaru Shida, but other than that, can't be Nyla, can't be Riho, can't be Thunder Rosa. I would say Britt Baker, but uh next question comes from OG1988. What are your thoughts on Road Dog claiming that having clean finishes in a match will back AEW into a corner and claiming that in order to tell a story, you need to have DQs or countouts. I think countouts and DQs have their place. I think WWE was getting way too reliant on those, not, not even to progress storylines, but just because laziness, you know, not, not willing to actually let somebody lose. Um, I, I think that we're beyond that though. I think that the the wrestling fan nowadays are definitely more educated, more kind of in tune with what goes on. And I think that when matches end like that, especially if it's a really good match and a match that you've been looking forward to, it it sours the moment. Like it it takes them out of it. Like when I see that type of stuff happen, it's kind of like, no, I don't want to watch next week. I don't care what happens because I'm now pissed off about it, you know. So I don't know. I, I can't say I agree with that. I, I think part of what Road Dog's saying, though, and saying that AEW always uses clean finishes, I think is kind of misspeaking because if you actually watch Dynamite and Rampage and all these shows, like there's a lot of interference that happens in these matches that cause, you know, like CM Punk's first loss in AEW, MJF cheated twice, you know, so that progressed the storyline, even though MJF did pin CM Punk. Uh, there was controversy in when, you know, MJF lost to John Moxley for the world title because the paradigm shift was supposed to be, uh, barred and somehow Moxley was able to use the, the move and that, you know, caused MJF to lose, uh, Wardlow lost because of MJF, uh, the, the TNT championships. And that actually has led to the, the eventual rematch next week on dynamite. So I think. It it doesn't, it's not necessarily that they use clean finishes. They definitely use some screwy finishes, but no matter what, someone's getting pinned. Is that necessarily always a good thing? No. I think there are times where you could use a DQ or a count out to help progress the storyline. Uh, but at the same time, you have to not do what WWE does, like you said, where they're over-reliant on it. And when it actually works effectively, people just shit on it anyway because they've seen it way too many times. And the perfect example of that was within a week's time, we saw Roman Reigns get himself DQ'd against Seth Rollins at the Royal Rumble. 
three days later, we saw MJF cheat to beat CM Punk. Everyone praised the match with CM Punk and MJF and saying that was a great finish. And everyone crapped on the finish with, with Roman and Seth because it was a DQ finish. And we've seen that so many times and it just crap booking and they're backing themselves into a corner when it actually was the right move for the story being told. But, you know, people are just saying, oh, they're just protecting Roman. They're just protecting Roman. But in the storyline, it worked. Just like it worked when MJF beat CM Punk through nefarious means. So there's a time and place for both. But if you overdo it, it doesn't work. And I think there's times where maybe AEW overdoes the screwy finish. And there's times where WWE overdoes the DQ countout finish, if that makes sense. But next question. It's our last question here. It comes from Sam. Speaking of, you know, we talked about Brock Lesnar. And uh, the question is, was Lesnar ending the Undertaker streak the right decision? Uh, I say yes. I think so. Um, Because when you think about it, who else could it have been? I think there's only two other people it could have been. CM Punk or Roman Reigns. Yeah, and actually CM Punk was a guy that I actually thought was going. I actually was at that match. I did think he was going to win. There's nobody that's more (laughs) realistic, uh, more decorated, other than maybe Kurt Angle, but he wasn't there at that time. He didn't have, he wasn't. You know, like he wasn't yeah. wrestling Undertaker at WrestleMania. Right. And this is this is a guy that was a former heavyweight UFC champion. Um, he's as legit as it gets in terms of what he can do in real life versus what's happening in a wrestling ring. So and it, and it was shocking. And I think that when you look at it right now, I mean, yeah, Brock Lesnar is still a top guy there. Granted, he's not there all the time, but whether he was a healer or whether he was a face and just think about what that allowed Paul Heyman to do. The, the opening line, he comes out every night when he was representing Brock Lesnar. He was the one in the 21 and whatever he said. Um, you know, they they ran with that. They made T-shirts on it, whatever else. And it, it got Brock super, super over. So as as much as people hated it at the time, I think as the years have gone by, I think more and more people, especially considering, you know, after that, it was pretty clear Undertaker wasn't really going to perform at a high level for a very long time and. Lesnar, even though his matches aren't great, he has had good matches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it was the right call. Right. And if you want to say CM Punk and him not going over takers, one of the reasons why he left, you know, that's one thing. And if Brock didn't beat Taker that year, you had to go with Roman because Roman was the future. I know the match sucked, but that was more because Undertaker could not really move. <laughs> So you can't really blame Roman for the bad match there. But I mean, out of anybody else that he's faced at WrestleMania, there's really no one else unless, you know, it was early on where he lost to giant Gonzalez or Jake Roberts or Jimmy Snuka, but that's not happening either. So let us know who you think should have beaten the undertaker at WrestleMania to end the streak in the comments below. Don't forget to share this all over social media and we'll see you on the next episode of the squared circle cycle battle. 